Hi, I wanted to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families. My name is Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. I'm so excited to be back today. School has started back in our school system and this is our second full week of the kids being back in school full time. That end of summer and lead up to the beginning of a new school term can get a bit hectic and it certainly got a little hectic for us this year. Starting back to school can feel a bit like the run up to Christmas, right? With lists and places to go and things to do, it can just overwhelm. Just like Christmas though, we can set our family standard and try not to get swept along with everyone else and find our path. As the kids get older, they can learn a lot more about how some of the back to school systems work so that they can eventually become fully part of what's going on and eventually do most of these things by themselves. I've got three back to school systems to share that really encourage working with the kids to find an answer that fits with them with you and the family way that you've all decided. With the start of the school year, there's time to work through the kinks of these systems, and believe me, there will be kinks, and support them as they learn these new life skills and become more confident and more competent. Let's get started. The first thing that I want to look at is school lists and school clothes. Go through what you already have and make some choices about what happens next. Well, that's something that we often do ourselves as the gatekeepers. We're the ones that go through all their clothes and decide what they need and the same with the school supplies. This is a perfect one that you can hand over to the kids slowly but surely. So you make decisions yourself as a family about whether you're going to get all new things, some new things, and the kids, if they know what's coming, it's much easier for them to work through. On the school websites, they have a list that you can print out. Many stores have the lists if you're in the local area, so you can pick them up and do them too. To encourage the kids to be involved and for you to hand over some of those things, if you can work out some of your family ideas beforehand, it helps make things a lot smoother. So here's some ideas. Are you going to use cash or set a budget? use a gift card, or have a certain amount of money that's set aside for the school supply list. That's really important to how you're going to manage this activity with the kids. Are you going to choose a specific store that you're going to go to? Are you a Target girl, or a Walmart girl, or an online store? Or maybe you skip all of this and your school does a system where all of the things come to the school already. Find what your system is going to be in and kind of make some choices about that. Are you going to get some of the things on the list? All of the things on the list. Will you be dropping off the kids at the store because they're old enough to be there by themselves and just giving them the list or they've managed to find all the things that they need and then they're going to go and look for all the things themselves? Will you be in the store yourself and let them go off to that area and where all the back to school things are? and get those things for themselves. Will you choose to be slightly away from the kids and so they're on the next aisle over and you can hear them or you can see them 
or maybe closer still that you're just taking a few steps back and you can observe them as they try and decide which pen set they prefer or which file folders or whatever it is that you're looking at. All of those types of things, if you can think about how you're going to manage those beforehand, it helps you to um, be prepared for when you actually go and do it. Maybe the your child will work with a friend that's at the same school. It makes it a lot quicker. It might even be a lot easier for them to do that together. It could be a sibling that they go with, or it could just be with you. Now, each child is different, and each child in your family is different, so you might want to decide to do it differently for each of the children that you're around or, or not. I remember going to um, one of the stores and seeing two middle school siblings walking together and getting their list. One of them had the list, one of them was pushing the trolley. You know how it is as you're going up and down aisles, you bump into the same people all the time as you're going up and down. I was looking for my things, they were looking for theirs. One of them was the spender and he just would grab whatever was said, you know, we need 12 pens. Then he would be the one that just grabbed 12 pens off the back, just threw it in and he didn't even consider how much it was. The person that was um, calling it out was like, no, we need to check whether it has the right colors. And he would grab it and look and then go back and look at the unit price. I was just kind of watching them at the corner of my eye and I just could tell that they were all really very different in the way in that they looked at the pens and, and, and one of them was a spender and one of them was a saver. And of course in the next style we were looking at similar types of things and the same type of thing happened again. But I heard, which was really um, savvy and clever of the person who was paying the bill for that, I'm assuming somebody else is paying the bill, was I heard them say, don't forget that if we save enough money then we get to keep the change. So that's one of the reasons why they were being very careful about how much money they're actually spending. So I thought that was kind of cool of that family um, and, and the way in which they'd set that up. So not just on school supplies, finding a way to get your kids involved in getting the school supplies, the same can be said for school clothes. Which clothes are you gonna be choosing for the kids to have a hand in? Now, choosing clothes can be a really difficult thing to hand over to the kids to be able to do. But we can start with the really small and simple things that they can have some ownership over. Things like their underwear and their choice of socks, for example. Those things are easier. Or choosing between things, things like, you know, these pairs of shorts or those pairs of shorts. You might even come down to this brand we're going to be using when it comes to trousers or pants or this shop or these shops we're going to go to. It might even be one particular store online that you only go to or a local store. It makes it a lot easier, again, if you've known what that is. But I would say ease into this slowly. It can be a minefield if you're not sure of how your children are going to react once they start having all of these choices because they're not paying the bills and they don't understand some of them how all of this works out. It's really good to have a discussion before you're going out so that there is an understanding that you're thinking the same things. Talking about school dress code, because there definitely will be one, Family dress code, the things that you feel that are important for the family. Family finances, 
we all have different limits and different bottom lines. And so for the children to understand, yes, you can get this type between these two prices, gives them a fair idea of what's going on. They may not like it or they may love it, but they need to have an understanding of how that works. How many pieces? So are you going to get five tops for the school year? Is it going to be 10 tops or two tops right now? And then as we need them for each season, it's kind of important for them to have an, an understanding of how long these things are supposed to last. I mean, they are growing, so things will change. But for them to have an understanding that, you know, perhaps their idea of getting a new outfit every week isn't realistic once they hear what the budget is all about. And then I think one thing that often gets forgotten is what happens when things get lost, stolen or broken? You know, what are our expectations as parents for when those things happen? Now, each family will have some very different idea and actually each circumstance might be different too. But being able to kind of talk those through with the kids at the beginning gives them an idea about what might happen so that they have an idea that they're not hiding things from us and things don't kind of get on top of them, as well as how long things will last. It's also a good time at this time when you're having a discussion to talk about uh, brands and styles that cost a lot of money. Sometimes you're prepared to pay a certain amount of money for shoes or trainers or the latest style or brand that the kids love. And sometimes you're not prepared to pay the amount that they're asking. So what is your uh, opinion on that? Will you only pay a certain amount and the kids have to find the extra money? Or will it be that in your family we're not going to participate in that kind of style or brand because it costs too much money? Having those kind of conversations, it doesn't have to be set in stone. You can change your mind, things can um, be different another time, but at the beginning, the kids need to have some idea of how that's all going to work so that there's not so much disappointment, or they might decide that, oh, I can save my money up and buy the things that I want. That's good information to know. Slowly but surely, we can start teaching and explaining how we manage the clothes with them so that they are slowly being able to manage that for themselves. We also get their input about what they like and don't like and that's really important too. But maintaining your cool on your relationship is also really important at this time when you're doing all of these things and of course it's at a time when we're quite busy so we need to be able to take that break and take a deep breath and make some really good choices. Because having a battle with the kids is not the way that we want to start the school year about clothes or school supplies. So sometimes we do need to back off and do something else. And that might mean resuming the shopping the way that we did it before and going back to the drawing board and, and thinking about a different way of how we can handle things. And sometimes it could be that you're able to give more responsibility because they're ready for that. Now I can already tell that you're struggling with letting go of maybe the school supply list or the school clothes. It's usually one or the other of deciding, yes, the kids can do it. Like with all of these things, there's a gradual process. Some children are ready straight out to do all of it and are really ready, but most of them needs a little back and forth. Now I know it's hard and maybe we aren't ready for it, 
But when you are doing it though, if you can take your child and talk through what you're doing a little to get them to see what's behind, you know, that hard stare that you give when you're holding up two tops or you're flipping through the two inch binder section for the fifth time, you know, why are you doing that? Why didn't you just pick up those two binders that you kind of talk out loud, the thoughts that you have so that they have an understanding of what's going on? Because kids don't always know why you've brought them nine tops for the start of school or that they've always had equal amounts of white and black socks for example they just maybe think these are quirks that you do they don't always work out why it is the way it is and so kind of explaining it to them is, is a really good thing not just explaining it to them but just sharing so that they have an understanding before we went shopping this time for clothes, I asked the kids, do you have enough socks that you would like to wear to school every day for a week? Now I phrased that question in a way so that it wasn't just have you got enough socks, but socks that you like to wear. And I bought a different range of socks um, recently so that they could try different types because you know sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short socks and Sometimes it's got patterns on and sometimes it's fluffier on the bottom and sometimes it has a color and not all the way through or it's solid. You know, there's, who knew there were so many different types of socks types? But it's comfort and what they would like to wear. And that type of question gave them an input into what happens with socks in the future. Plus a few for stinky feet because you have sports is also what I added to that question because I wanted them to think about, okay, it's not just having five pairs of socks. If you're doing PE and you're doing PE every day, then maybe you're going to need a change of socks or you're doing any sports activities when you get home. You know, you, there has to be some kind of change. And the stinky feet reference was just kind of a reminder that, you know, we do need to change our socks because we get stinky feet. I also asked the question, if you do laundry once a week, which my boys do, how many tops do you feel comfortable with during the school week? So I know what I would want them to have and what I think that they should do. But again, this is a conversation to see how they are thinking about their clothes, their hygiene habits, and what they think and feel about the clothes that they have. So these types of questions help them to see my idea, and it also gives them a chance to explain what they want to. So if they say six tops in five days, I'm going to want to know why you want to do that. Not because I think it's bad or good, but just curious, like, tell me the story of what's going on. The kids that say, I want three tops for my five-day week, I get to have a conversation about hygiene and, okay, three tops are not enough and why, and we can have a conversation about that. So whatever you do, take it slow because you know your family and allow time for conversation so that you can hear what they say. In middle and high school, it may not be until open house or orientation that you hear about the special books that the particular teachers want or the files or the pen or the equipment. And then there's all the little extras that pop up at this time. If you can pick up a few extras during the back to school events, grab them because sometimes clubs as well want specific things or there's just extra things that teachers require. So that was the first one, school supplies and school clothes. 
The second one is filling out forms. The first 15 seconds of the Holders Family video really sums it up, and I'll leave a link in the show notes to that if you've not seen it. The kids will come home with lots of paperwork to fill out. If your school district is more online, feel free to skip this part, and I would love to hear what your school districts do so that you don't have to fill in so many forms. I think this is just a normal part of school. I have three sets of the same paperwork to fill out each year. You might have more with four kids or five kids or duplicating things. It doesn't matter. It's just a lot of paperwork. When you start middle school or going into secondary school, there are a few new delights that happen in our family. One of them is that you get to make your own school lunch. And I've written about that before and I'll leave a link to how to pack a healthy lunch and eat it mostly in the show notes. And the second thing that happens in our home is that they get to fill out some of the forms. Yay, happy days for me. Of course, they can't fill everything out on the form. These forms are important documents, so it's very important to make a distinction between what things they can fill out and what things they can't fill out. They use pencil because it's hard filling out forms and getting it right. I fill out one myself with the correct information, like a template. You might have an emergency file or a place where you keep all this information yourself already so that you can just bring it out. But I just choose to use a template uh, of one of my um, kids' forms already. I just know, though, that we tend to be the gatekeepers of this type of information. You know, we know when Aunt Maud's birthday is. We know where, you know... Our cousin's address is and we know all the doctors names and the, the specialist people we have them in something and we're the ones that have it and it's really important that the kids know what they are and most of the kids don't know their doctor or their dentist or their emergency contact numbers or any of those types of things because we tend to fill in all of those forms for them because we know where to get them and 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 do them and sometimes actually it changes a lot. I keep a copy on Evernote so that I can get access to the original form even if I've sent the original form back to school I've got a copy of that that's password protected so I can see it and do it. So I would encourage all of us especially if we are the gatekeepers to have a place in the house where the kids know and the family knows where they can find this type of information and be able to lay their hands to it too. When they have this template, it's straight copying. They just look at what's there and fill it out for themselves. Most of the things are going to be exactly the same. Once they're finished filling it out, I check it through before they're allowed to use pen, and then once it's dried and we're happy, you can erase the pencil. Then I fill in my parts, and then I sign. So at the beginning, when we're starting this type of thing, I would encourage you to just do the, the very simple things like their name, your address, telephone number, and slowly build up with the rest of the form depending on what's on the form. We've had conversations about legibility, printing instead of writing in cursive or joined up, um, making sure our numbers are clear, especially sixes and zeros because the way that you, if you do it too quickly, it can look like one or the other and why that's important. And tiny handwriting, making sure that it's, we can see what you're, you're writing. 
They've also learned um, who and, and who their doctor is um, or how to say their doctor's name. Because of course, um, we're a military family, so our doctor can change from time to time. And also if you're a family that moves, um, frequently, you might find that you, from year to year, you have a different doctor's name or dentist and other people. And while you may go to the doctor or the dentist, your child may not know their names. The same with emergency contacts. It's good for them to learn about emergency contact numbers and that who they are and the name of them too. Um, and to also to learn the telephone numbers. It's easy to have them in the phone and not to learn them. I know we learn our telephone numbers when we were at school. I still remember my first telephone number because you just had to learn it. Now, kids don't know their numbers as well. It's really important, especially when you're at school, to be able to know what your address is, know what your telephone number is, and not just say, well, it's in my phone. It's amazing to me that so many children actually don't know their physical address and don't know a physical telephone number to be able to recite because it's just written down and it's saved in their, I don't know, Amazon account or saved on their phone. So they've never really learnt it. I get it. Some of the children, we move about a lot and so they haven't learnt it yet. But that's one thing that the kids really, really need to do. And it's amazing we think that they know these things, but ask them and see if they really do. One of the reasons why we choose the kids to learn the numbers is that one has a phone at the moment and one child doesn't. So it's really important that wherever the child without the phone is, has an opportunity to use the phone at school, he is able to contact the people he needs to contact. As they get older, or as they feel more confident, or I feel more confident with what they're doing, they learn to do more things that are on the form and I explain more to them and I fill it in with them as they do it. It's really good for their neatness because there is a purpose to this writing. A lot of the writing that we do at school has a purpose, but it's just inside of the classroom. But this is a real purpose. This is going to be given to somebody else who needs to be able to read it and understand all the things that are there. It's no good saying, which many children love to say, well, I can read it. It's clear to me. Well, instead of being able to be just clear to them, this is for somebody else. This is a real purpose to their writing that they're using. And so making sure it is as good as possible is great. Sitting together and just getting it done really works. I have two, my two older boys will sit down at the table often and work with a template and just get it done. It's also a chance to talk about signatures and the importance of our signatures and writing our name to a document and why you can't, they can't fill everything out and why I don't sign it until I understand everything that's on there. Even things I don't need to sign, I still look at before they go back because they'll fill in information for clubs and all sorts of things that I will still look it over and make sure I, I'm doing that. It's, it's great because it's a time to talk about the two sets of eyes. It's easier to catch mistakes um, on things. And it gives them an idea that when you're writing contracts or reading contracts and agreements, it's a good idea to share it with somebody else before you sign or do anything. It's kind of good preparation for that time because that time's coming when they they have to be able to sign documents that they really are going to do what they say that they're going to do. And it's good practice to learn how to read the information. And if you're not sure, be confident enough to share it with somebody that you trust to be able to understand what to do. This 
last one I'm calling managing the school hosepipe. A lot of things come pouring out at you on the first month of school. Some of them are time crunches like buying the yearbook for the lowest price or signing up to a club that you have to do within a specific time. Some of them are where to find information, so that's class website pages, Google Classroom codes, online textbook codes, new places to sign up and get your child an account like Khan Academy or Quizlet, or a text sign-up service for each teacher for each child. It comes at you fast and kids have to have access to all of this information because you know that while you're doing something they're going to ask you, do you know my code for this? Because they've forgotten it, they left it at school, they don't have it. Who can remember all those unique passwords and which username that they have used? Well, as a family there has to be some sort of system. At school they have their own system I'm sure, but when they're at home they're going to want those codes. And so it's really good to be able to teach the kids where to find the codes or how to look them up or like, what is your system? You know, is it post-it notes on the side of your computer? Is there a place that you keep those? Many kids already will have navigated the school website. They know how to find their teachers, web pages and know what's going on. But it's important that they do know where to find them and what to do. So make sure that the kids already can get to the school website. I know our school system overhauled their web pages um, during the summer and so it's not anything like it used to. So old bookmarks that you had for games and classes and places and teachers and all things have completely changed. They don't work anymore and so it's important to kind of keep up and make sure yourself that you know where things are even if you're not looking them up yourself all the time. Just kind of be familiar. I like to take a photograph of the password and login letters that come home from school. Often they are for the textbooks that the kids are using. Um, there's not the big textbooks. I think some of them are in school, but most of the online textbooks that you can now use um, at home with the kids, they'll send like a sheet home of you know your child's name and how to log in and all the information. I like to take a picture of that and email it to each of the children so that they have a copy of it so that we don't have to keep all this paper. Um, I also store that in Evernote so I have a copy for myself. Um, I have Evernote on my phone so I'm able to access that wherever I am. So if we're at you know, a, a piano lesson or out and about and we need to play a quick game or do something, we can access the information that we need. Use an online password site that, remind, that remembers the usernames and passwords. I can't emphasize this enough. You can log in with a master password to keep everyone's passwords safe. And you, it can auto log you off as well. So you, you don't have to worry about people being able to see everything. There are lots and lots of really good settings to look after your privacy. And there are many, many different sites. It's also a good time to teach your kids about how to use good strong passwords and discourage them from using the same username and password everywhere because that just leads to problems especially with friends who think that it's fun to hack their accounts because it's easy to work out their details. Right now it might be friends that find it funny but it can get really out of hand if this type of thing isn't sorted out from the beginning. I have a post about starting emails um, accounts and passwords and I'll link to that in the show notes.
have a place for paper. I mentioned that a little earlier before, that I like to throw away the paper but keep a copy of it. I take the photo of it and that's my record in case it's lost. I attach a name to it and I put it all the information in the calendar if I need to and I share it to all the calendars. We have a folder for important information for each child, so clubs they are joining, letters that come in during the school year about awards or assemblies, report cards, progress reports. These all end up in one place and they're kept together for each child. So that helps with the paper deciding do I really need to keep it. We also use Google Calendar for all the family and a whiteboard calendar. Some of us also have individual calendars. Getting the logistics of what to do with the information as it comes in helps us when there's a system so you can just find what you need pretty quickly. There's nothing worse than thinking, you know, we had that piece of paper and then spending half an hour trying to find it. If there is a system about what we do with paper, it makes it so much easier to know it should be here. If it's not here, we don't have it. I should have made a photo of it, photocopy of it, and let me look that up. Or let's go back to school, or it's on the website. You know, have a plan and how it works so you're not wasting time looking for forms that need to be filled in. I sign up for the text messages for the kids that don't have phones, so that will be my elementary and my middle schooler, because I want to know what they need to be bringing and doing. The middle schooler will get email alerts for the same thing. He's signed up for the email side of that. And I also tend to sign up for the ones that have me driving the kids around as so many things can change and it, those changes impact me and the whole family. But apart from that, I try not to sign up for text messages as the children are getting older because the responsibility is on them. But I work with each child and they show me that they are being responsible, that nothing is happening. But if I find that things are slipping through and that things aren't working, then I might decide to change that and go back to supporting them again a little bit until they can keep going in the right direction. One really important thing to note about all of these life skills so far in general is the skill needs the exercise. It's not one and done. There's a lot of learning, trying, slipping, mistakes, and it's certainly not smooth. Also, I make my kids school lunch many times and I do fill in many of the forms, more than the ones that they're filling in at the beginning of the school term. Just because they can do these things for themselves doesn't mean I don't ever do those things for them ever again. I do those things for them because I want to, or they need it. When I saw the boys doing that school supply run, I was the one getting file dividers at eight o'clock at night because I'd forgotten them. It's not a competition in life to do things more quickly, although it can seem that way. So don't look at these things and think, oh my goodness, I haven't done any of these things, or pat yourself on your back and say like, oh, I've done all of these things. You know your kids. What can you do to help your kids understand the school, back to school systems a little bit more? What little independence can you give them? What autonomy? What responsibility can you give to them? What can you share that's low stakes? 
that gives them an idea of what needs to be done and gives them a chance to be able to do it. I hope you'll be encouraged to try sharing your knowledge and back to school systems. So today I've talked about back to school supplies and clothes, filling in forms and managing the back to school fire hose. I hope something I've said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you to make a decision for your wonderful family. So now it's your turn. I'd love to hear about what happens in your family using the hashtag GNFSAK, which is Growing Nimble Families School Age Kids, on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode or share your ideas in the Facebook group, The Society of Nimble Parents. Thanks for being here today. I know there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad you've chosen to be here. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways as it helps people to find the show. Show notes for today's show with links will be at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 211. That's show 211. Can you believe it? This is the 211th show. Sign up for my growing library while you're there of parenting resources and principles over on my site. Goodbye.